This episode of The A-Team is brought to you by FaceToFaceGames.com, Canada's number one source for Magic the Gathering card singles. Yeah, yeah, and of course now that my confidence is at a ungodly high, <laughs> feeling pretty, pretty confident. Ungodly, eh? GP badass must come back. Wow. <laughs> Welcome to the A Team podcast, brought to your ears by ManorDeprived.com, home of Canadian magic. In 2010, a crack magic playing unit was sent to prison by the DCI court for mise they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a federal pound me in the ass prison to the Canadian underground. Today, still wanted by Wizards of the Coast, they survive as podcasters of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can listen to The A-Team. KYT. And of course, they rag on me for not talking enough. <laughs> nice. Listen to me now, bitch. That's <laughs> Jay Boosh. You know what? This is how it works. I'm not old as fuck, and I don't play idiot. And those are the two things that apparently matter when you want to play Mind Flavor. Scotty. And and I cashed that GP. Like, that's legit. Like, for me, being just the fucking dad grinder, that's a huge deal. And Jeremy. Sometimes you just have to be that guy. We're like, oh, you want to play some modern? It's like, yeah, I want to play some modern. And, like, I'll suspend a Lotus Bloom. And they're just like, oh, why did I want to play modern with you? And now, the A-Team. Hey everybody, welcome to the A-Team Podcast. I am Mr. Scotty Mack. I am here joined, of course, by two of my best friends in the whole world. I have the King of the North, Jay motherfucking Boosh. Ew. And I have the silent assassin, Pro Tour Competitor, KYT. What's going on, buddy? Hey, what's up? That's great. Nice. So, Jer is um, basically not going to make it. He's trying to move, and... Uh, his internet is terrible, and uh, Skype is just not working for him on his phone. So maybe he jumps in at some point, maybe he doesn't, but uh, let's just set that expectation right back now. All right? <laughs> Sounds good. So, uh, awesome. It was a huge and busy, crazy week for Magic. Um, did you guys play any? What did you do? How were things? Like, what's new and exciting? How was your week? Jay, how was your week? What did you do this week? Uh, I didn't play any magic. Okay. What What'd you I do? do uh, it was crazy. I worked a lot. And then... Did I play cube? I feel like I cubed, but... I don't... Oh, I cubed with some Jobins. Like, uh... I accidentally invited eight people to cube, thinking that I'd only invited six. So we cubed with two extra people that weren't, like, regulars. And it was fun, because, like, new decks got to be played and stuff. Nice. Which was like super fun. Somebody drafted like uh like a really good uh blue white deck that like nobody ever drafts in my cube. They never draft blue white control. And this guy drafted like the perfect blue white control deck. So that was sweet. Sweet. Yeah. And then I was gonna go to F and M, but I ended up just hanging out with Steve Domalewski, longtime supporter of the show. Good man. Uh just hanging out with him. He 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 and his wife and uh local judge and his fiance are trying to start up like a Pathfinder campaign. And so uh, I was just kind of helping them with that, talking about D&D &D and shit and hanging out and having some beers with my bud. Nice. Yeah. 
Hadn't seen him for a while, so that we actually hung out twice last. Sweet. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I don't know. I didn't really like play a whole lot of Magic, really. I just kind of putzed around and played lots of Dota with Brett and worked a whole fucking ton. Just <laughs> garbage. We uh, we haven't seen you streaming Dota. No, I I'm trying to figure out if I even care about streaming Dota anymore. Like I didn't really get any viewers when I was streaming. I think the most I ever had was like 15. Oh. And uh, a lot of people just complained about me not streaming Magic, and I was just like sick of telling them why I wasn't streaming Magic. Gotcha. Because I feel like the people that are watching me stream Dota know enough about me that they should know that I don't play fucking Moto. Right. And then so just having to answer like ten people, oh, you should play Moto. Why aren't you playing Moto? Just ended up being super awkward. Yeah, it just gets super annoying. And then, like, I was like, I wanted to do, like, the stream donation thing for, like, mental health and stuff. But you really have to have, like, um, you really have to have, like, a following to do that kind of stuff, uh, I find. And I don't have that. So, and I don't really know if I want to stream MTGO. There's like a million people already doing that. Like, I don't know what I really have to offer to that. And no one's really said that they are like super interested in that. I think they're just the people that have said that they want to see it, I think are mostly just interested in that it's me doing it. Do you know what I mean? Gotcha. Like, they're already watching my Dota stream and then they're like, well, you should just do this instead. So, I haven't streamed a whole lot of Dota. I might get back into it. It's just like, it's one of those things where. Like, I, if nobody cares about it, I would rather just play with Brett then and not have to deal with, like, having to worry about lag and having to worry about stuff like that. Um, and I didn't, I couldn't figure out how to engage my audience. I asked them all the time for stuff, and no one really ever responded. Okay. And I don't know if that was, like, a, an issue with the content or an issue with my stream and stuff. I imagine it's really difficult to get a stream off the ground. But, um, I mean, I know for me personally, like, it's hard to break into that. Yeah. Like, it's hard to break into a stream, right? Like, you have to, somebody has to want to watch you for a reason, and then you're still, even if they do want to watch you, you're still competing with, I think there's like 60 million people that use Twitch to stream. Yeah. So. Well, it's, it's tough, obviously. But, uh, you know, I think that, Really, the reason I started streaming in the first place was really just to hang out with people. Like yeah. it was, it was a way to to just like do what I was gonna do anyway. Yeah, and and like do it in a venue where people could like actually just see us. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's the that's the problem is that like most of my followers slash supporters know me from Magic, right? Yeah. So a lot of them aren't interested in learning Dota, and then. Even the ones that were, it was, like, really difficult to get them to interact in the stream. Yeah. So, if they're not interacting, I'm not interacting with them. I was, like, just trying to, like... I tried the thing where I just do, like, the noob stream where I just talk a whole lot, regardless of whether people are asking questions and stuff. But, I mean, eventually, after a while, like, you can't just keep repeating the same thing over and over again. Like, you can't just, like, show a, a draft on repeat and talk about your picks over and over again, which is essentially what you're doing when you're playing Dota, right? It's not, it's not as quick as Magic in that regard. Gotcha. So, well, I always found that when I, I tried again. So when I was watching it, I always found it was it was fun and entertaining. Um, I actually got to learn a little bit more about about Dota, about how the game works and stuff by watching. It. So that's cool. Yeah, and like I mean, that's the thing is like it wasn't a total bust or anything. It was just that it was it just 
for the amount of effort and like not effort, but like the amount of effort and like I guess stress that it was causing me. Yeah. Uh, it just I just have decided for now anyway that I'm just like not really excited about it because it like always it brings up a bunch of negativity instead of like same reason why I stopped going to like F and M when I didn't like the format, right? Mm. Yeah. Instead right. of having fun and playing magic and hanging out with my friends, I'm like stressing out about like shitty formats and it's boring anyway, even if I'm winning, I'm not I don't like mono black or whatever and stuff like that. So it just like that's kinda what happened with me with streaming. It was like I mean I have a backer and I've played I've jammed some games on MTGO. It's really hard for me to get into it though. I'm like just not really into playing on MTGO. It's like just a really terrible experience. Okay. So it's like I okay, well I'll just play Dota and then I don't wanna I don't know, I just don't wanna have to like worry about like, oh my god, I only have eight viewers and like I should talk to these people and why aren't people talking and stuff. So I mean the feedback that I got mostly was that was good, right? So that was good to see and hear, right? Mm-hmm. But then like it's almost like when we don't get comments on the A team, right? It's like, well, what did I do? Like, is anybody even fucking listening to this? Like, if no one's going to give us comments. Like, like on the last A-team, I think we got, like, what, like, six comments or something? Yep. And uh, that's, like, to me, that's not very many. But that's better than the episodes where we've gotten none. Even the one where, like, this Scoot guy is like, Jay, are you surprised that you got bumped uh, I could easily see Scotty tossing you aside for somebody he deems more self-fulfilling. I don't really know what the So, you know, about, I, but... I, I thought Anani Moose's was really good. For somebody who wants to appear to be a positive community figure, he really struggles with not being such a... Uh, what's it? Rick, recalcitrant? Recalcitrant, yeah. I guess there is such thing as podcast tenure. Like, I have no idea who that's even referring to or what they're even no, referring to. No, I don't either. To. For someone who wants to appear to yeah, be a positive community figure, he really struggles with not being a recalcitrant cunt. I guess there is such a thing as podcast tenure. No idea. It's probably me. Whatever. Yeah, so like it's just it's one of those things where it's like, you know, if if I'm getting on average like five viewers and they're into it but they're not really participating, then I just see it as one of the, like, a, it's almost like a show that you like, but that is canceled because not enough people like it. You know what I mean? Sure. It's like, I don't know. It's just like a lot of effort and stress to put on a show that, you know, not very many people like are watching and that uh, wasn't there for very long. So I'm sure they're not going to miss it. You know what I mean? Nobody's banging down my door. Hey, Jay, we haven't seen you stream in a while. So I'm assuming that it's, you know, it was good while it lasted and now it's done. Well, I said something. That's true. All right. But you didn't watch it very often anyway. I watched whenever I could. Also, I wa- Lily liked watching it a lot. She liked watching her Uncle Jay. Well, yeah. There you go. And she, like, just, there's a lot happening in those games, so it keeps her yeah. busy. Well, and that's, the, that's, like, a problem with Dota 2 is, like, if Dota people are watching it, I need to be showing them some, like, giving them a reason to watch. Which is, I'm probably not going to do because there's like a million Dota drafters that they could watch that are either better than me or funnier than me or established, right? Sure. And then if Magic people are going to watch, then I have to try to like teach them how to play, which is what my angle was. But then, because there's so much going on in Dota, what happened is, I think the reason that people weren't interacting is because they were like, just trying to follow. And it, there's something to be said of like, if you don't know the question, you can't ask it kind of thing. 
And I think that was like a big problem is just like a lot of people just didn't know enough of what was going on to actually know if like what they should be asking. So it's difficult for me to, you know, go past like the first page of the rule book. If no one is going to ask me a question, like what is that item that you have? Why, why are you telling that guy to push? What is pushing? Like no one's saying that stuff. And it's difficult to come up with, um, cognizant topics without interaction especially because you're trying to play like with i feel like with with magic it's like really easy to stream um i don't know i could just be talking out of my ass but i just (laughs) i feel like it's like anytime i've ever been on stream it's like super easy for me to interact with the stream while playing magic while not making misplays like because it's turn-based you have time to fuck around and do stuff right Whereas, like with Dota, if you if you're if your like reaction times are off by like like a second, you're dead. And then it, because you're dead and you didn't fulfill the crucial role that you are a part of for your team, you now lose the game. Yeah, I so I've streamed I've streamed some like Diablo and I've streamed some like Dragon Age and mm-hmm. stuff, and um, and I can completely sympathize with that. And like it is a much different scenario. But that said, I mean compared to you know, uh, uh, something like Dota, like Diablo is a joke. So, so I mean like the Delta between, you know, from like Diablo to magic is a big step. And then it goes even further than again, when you want to take that from, you know, from there to Dota. So it's, it's tough. I mean, I, I watched a fair amount of streamers do it and it does take a lot of practice to be good at doing both. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, like you, like you're and not like not on top of all that you're also just trying to like break into like an established oh god yeah dota streamers are like i don't don't okay i'm gonna say dota streamers are a dime a dozen and i'm gonna sound like some elitist snob but like but the truth of the matter is there are like so many more people playing the game yeah there's like there like we had 1.6 million people playing at the same time the other day yeah yeah so like and like there's there's like just there's just so many people like even random russian streams yeah. who are not good at the game who are bad who call everybody like racial slurs like homophobic slurs everything like just terrible people with no redeeming qualities even those guys get like 62,000 concurrent so like at this time. moment right now there are 21,057 viewers for Dota 2 yep. and that's like shitty yeah like, That's garbage. League has a hundred and four and a half thousand. Yeah. So. So it's like I just felt like you know, it's, and I, and it was the same thing with Magic. Like I have, um, we talked. I talked a little bit two episodes ago, I think, about how I have like a like a backer on MTGO, but because I don't get access to like the the way that the scenario is, is set up is I ask them or tell them like cards I want to try and then they like edit a deck list in a in a different account and then I log into that account kind of thing right gotcha whereas like if I just had access to the account then I could play a daily or I could play even in the tournament practice room and then immediately make a change play some more immediately make a change play some more and even though this person like isn't slow or takes forever to do stuff like he's reasonably um open yeah. And available to me. The problem is that, like, like, and I don't know if this is something that only I struggle with, uh, or if it's um, more so because me and him had a talk after the last episode, and he basically told me that the way that I was doing testing was wrong. But um, 
I struggle with, like, if I'm not able to change something or, like, at least get it down kind of on paper, like, now, then I am not, I either, like, am not really motivated to try the change later or I've forgotten what it is or uh, the meta has changed, so now the changes I was going to make don't matter anyway. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it's, I mean, it's, I'm sure it's a scenario of beggars can't be choosers. Like, I'm trying not to sound like I'm complaining about my scenario. Just, I'm just trying to explain why, like, I am not enthusiastic about playing more MTGO than, like, before, even with a backer, right? Yeah. Because it's like, it's just, it's one of those things where, you know, if I play in a daily or something and, like, I don't know what would happen, but, like, there's got to be a scenario where I would want to change, like, say I don't want to play main deck Drown and Sorrows anymore. Because controls everywhere. Because like I've heard that blue black controls everywhere on Moto right now. No, it's not really. But uh, okay. Okay. Well, whatever. Um, I've heard that it is. Uh, from a pro to a competitor, but. I mean, it could have been at that moment, but at that I moment, didn't fucking say that. I didn't say. I didn't say that. <laughs> um, but yeah. So let's say let's say like blue black controls everywhere, right? So I don't want main deck drown and sorrows anymore because obviously those are shit against control. Yeah. Uh, I can't change that. So, do I even want to play anymore today? If controls everywhere, probably I don't, because if I'm going to end up playing control a whole bunch of times, I'm just going to ha- have three or four dead cards in my sideboard. I mean, in my main deck, right? And uh, so it's just it becomes like a, an issue where I'm like, well, like, do I want to do that? Do I want to even bother with that? Yeah. So, and then like like I said, for sh- like streaming on MTGO is not a big draw for me because there are so many people that do it better than I do. I just am struggling to find a reason why people would watch me instead of say watching you, right? Okay. Well, I, I mean, that's, that's why I have with streaming. There's a lot of people out there, right? So there's a, there's a little bit of something for everybody, and people just kind of like latch on to what they like, and yeah, yeah, it's pretty sweet. Well, I, I, if it's something you decide you want to get back on, then that's awesome. And if it's not, then... Yeah, and I might. And, like, I've been really busy lately and stuff, so... I haven't really been making it a priority. Gotcha. Yep. But, uh, what about you? Did you play Magic this week? Uh, I play Magic every week. Well, there you go. Because I stream... <laughs> I stream a lot of magic, so right. so why don't why don't we why don't we pitch to KYT and I'll I'll wrap it up because I think I've probably played the most magic. Oh okay. Um, yeah, KYT, what'd you do this weekend, bro? Absolutely nothing. No, that's not true. Um, I actually did more than I let on in our pre-show talk. Um, even though I wasn't playing in either Grand Prix, um, I had to. I stayed up until like crazy hour, like seven. AM on Friday to finish up my article and uh, was playing both standard and modern uh, standard to help my friends um, who are playing in pre TQs or, or PTQs or GP Memphis um, because I, I had just one with abs and control and they wanted like what I would change, etc. Typical question they would ask or a sideboarding guide. And uh, so I had to update that and uh, really love the abs and deck. Um, I think we're going to get. Uh, into the GP Memphis results uh, with you. I'd love to talk about the decks with you, but Abzan Control made it to the finals. Uh, not to the finals, 
um, in the top eight, uh, multiple copies. And uh, there's the new innovation, um, sort of like an old new thing. I wrote about in my article how a few months ago, Lucas Xiao had already been playing uh, abs and control with main deck fleece main lines. But now the new tech is to have four of them in the sideboard and to bring them in when people side out their bio blights and, and other spells that aren't as good. And you sort of bring them in against blue-black control as well because the matchup, uh, when I play, beat Ben Moore, it felt very even. Maybe a bit better for blue-black if they draw, like, if, if both players draw fairly evenly, I think blue-black has a slight edge because, you know, absent control plays all these expensive cards. Like, you're not really pressuring them with Corsair on turn three, so you have to pressure them with Siege Rhino on turn four and all your Planeswalkers that cost four, oh, like Soren at four. Nissa at five or Ajani at five, then you have Elspeth at six. Yeah. And and if they decide to warp their deck to have four disdainful strokes, then you know, I think they have the edge. So when you bring in four fleece main lions, which is one of the best cards I had when I was playing abs and aggro against blue black, is you could just stick it, uh, play it, and then threaten to monstrous it. So so I like that tech. I don't not sure if I like it overall, because you basically have to can four slots from your sideboard, and I, I kind of liked uh, my sideboard that I won with with the PTQ, so I'd really have to be convinced that those four slots are better for, uh, used uh, on Fleece Main. Um, and I, I decided to tune Infect. Some people going to Vancouver were asking me uh, you know, if I had an updated list. Of course, I, I've mentioned this many times, if, if Mono Red was going to be a big-time uh, player, then it's not really a good choice. I, I went so far as to have three feed the clan in my sideboard and my latest list because of the uh, prominence of mono red and wow. uh, you know even that isn't that good i think i think uh you just might have to yolo and play four white lane lines even though you can't reliably cast them God, because terrible. the matchup is that bad and Jeez. because because even though it was like the second it was the second most popular deck the pro tour and at the Grand Prix, based on, on the data that I'm seeing, it was the third most popular deck, so it's still there. However, moving forward, that might change, uh, seeing as how Twin once again won, and Twin has a pretty good Mono Red matchup. So that might, we might see Mono Red drop down to four or five, or even slowly out of the top five if we're seeing a shift towards more Twin players and uh, more, I guess, Abzan that are equipped to fight the Burn deck with, with um, copies of Kitchen Fing. So, so very interesting moving forward. Um, so I'm, I play a lot of, in fact, in dailies and eight mans and did quite well. Um, but like most of my losses were to mono red. So I would three one a daily, or I would go two zero in an eight man and then lose the mono red in the finals. Yeah. So it, it is an issue that uh, even with me trying to fix it is is just hard to fix. And uh, might might like I said, I haven't tried going desperate playing four ley lines, but there's that. And I've been. Uh, last but not least, doing a ton, ton of drafting um, just to rebuild my confidence in myself in my limited game. Um, was able to, like I'm doing, I'm pretty confident now. I've, uh, I've rebuilt my uh, moto rating over 1,800, just playing Fate Reforge, Cons Cons, and uh, starting to figure things out a, a little bit. Um, I'm not seeing that, I'm not really noticing that I'm doing anything too drastic. But uh, maybe just playing around tricks more. I mean, there's one thing I still do a mistake at. Uh, I think I did it at the Pro Tour, and I still do it at, at random drafts. It's just like, even if I think they have Sandblast, 
I make them use it, even though like the, the the alternative line of just playing another threat and forcing them to use up their turn without utilizing mana, like the fact that they didn't play a creature and they saved up for Sandblast, but now you don't attack, but you play another threat instead, and you say go, like the board states the same thing, except you've added an additional threat. Yeah. So they, they've lost um, the board temple. Of course, if they don't actually have Sandblast in their hand, then you know, you've wasted a turn not attacking. So there's definitely a balance in that, but if, you have, if I have the read that they do have Sandblast, like let's say maybe I bounced something a turn before and now they're not playing it, for some reason, and I've seen Sandblast a previous game, they're definitely representing Sandblast. They definitely have it more than 80% of the time there, and I should really consider that. So that's something I still have to really adjust, um, uh, really look at my play. I've seen me make that little mistake um, multiple times. It's definitely cost me because, you know, they Sandblast my guy, and then I can't really push the tempo as much as I want to. Uh, whereas if I play the second guy and then they it's their turn again, then they're like, okay, do I hold up Sandblast again, get further behind on board, or do I play a thing and allow him to sort of blow me out because I have to tap out for this creature? So yeah, lots to learn still. Uh, but I've been messing with all formats because there is a chance that I'm going to GP Miami in two weeks, which is standard and GP Men- uh, not GP methods, GP Cleveland, which is Cons Fate Reforged Limited. Cool. Those, are, those sound like some pretty good events for you to go to. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah, and of course, now that my confidence is at a ungodly high, <laughs> feeling pretty, pretty confident. Ungodly, eh? GP badass must come back. Wow. <laughs> wow. And like it was sad seeing my friends dominate the top eight. I wish I could have joined them in the top eight uh, this past week in Vancouver. Like almost every single sicko that is my friend that went there, like top thirty two or better. So that's yeah. pretty crazy. Yeah, Curly made top thirty two. He played. Uh, he played Zaffir's Twinless. Um, they were really high on uh, Splinter. Sorry, Harvest Pyre being a really good card for them, uh, and they played it basically instead of the Vendillion click that uh Dan played. But uh yeah, he he was he was pretty happy. He said that Twin was definitely the deck of the tournament. And uh I mean just the top eight was just stacked. Just super stacked. I mean like between Hain running amulet combo and Martell on infect and uh Lanthia obviously on twin ultimately um it's just it was just crazy. There was it was such an amazing top eight. And uh, good on Dan for pulling it out. And in hilarious fashion, in true Dan Lanthier fashion, during the victory speech, he's like, (coughs) yeah, I'm still really mad at myself for how I played in game two. I couldn't believe I made that mistake. It was terrible. And he's like, dude, you, Marshall's like, dude, you won. He's like, yeah, I guess. (laughs) 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 I guess it was just really embarrassing for me, you know? I thought it was hilarious. I just laughed, but uh, it was the coverage was was fine to watch. Um, mostly because the matches were fine. There was a little bit to be desired, I think, in terms of uh, knowledge on the oh. uh, on the cards. <laughs> AJ Soccer would he went off. Everyone know he went he off. Everyone yeah. know <laughs> it was it was. Um, so they had Gabe Carlton Barnes, who I've never I, Uncle GCB on Twitter. I guess he's yeah, an old pro or something. 
So they had him on, and like his nature was fine. Like he was he was nice enough for coverage. Does that make sense? Like his sure. his voice wasn't annoying, sort of thing. Sure, yeah. You know? Um, and Marshall obviously is Marshall, right? I mean, he he's always going to sound fine, but it's frustrating because they're not familiar with the format. Like, mm-hmm. like Marshall went on Twitter or whatever, and he says, "Yeah, I've been playing a pile of modern for the last two weeks to try to prepare for the format." But like, two weeks of modern preparing for the format, really? Does it really? No, it takes a lot, right? Of- like standard or draft, like I get it. You know what I mean? Like you, you're gonna do a bunch. There's a lim- much more, much smaller card pool. But for these eternal or the, for these non-rotating events, really need like this needs to be your gig, man. You know? And I just feel like I feel like there's a little bit to be desired there. And if you were to ask a bulk of the population, I think that that that's sort of the number one area where things need to tighten up is card recognition. And I don't know whether that's a subset of the equipment that they're using, so maybe they just can't see it well enough, or what. But, I mean, when you compare that to the SCG events, it's like it's not even fair. And so, you know, I'm sure they're aware of this, and I know they try their damnedest, but I think maybe maybe in that area in particular, they try a little harder. Yeah, it's too hard. I've seen them, and they do just don't, like, to have them comment on like the amulet bloom deck while hayne is playing it like there's no way that they could give me an insight that you know someone like hayne could if he yeah. was also in the booth and you know the there's just so many decks and uh it took me a while to to get to the level that i'm at even so to prepare for the pro tour modern like when i started off i was just completely bad and uh still lots to learn and mm-hmm. uh it was clear. It was clear in their covers that it wasn't their their thing. Even like Randy Bueller, who's a, a pro tour player in his own right, you know, he didn't. He wasn't on the ball. I so I was really put off by Randy this weekend because, and I and I think that it. I expect more of him. I was really impressed when he came back to coverage because he added that that pedigree, you know, and that like. The astuteness. He was like, he was right up there on the line, the lines of play. And he was like, he was, he was into it, you know? And I just felt like he was real off this weekend. And it was like, it was pretty bad. And I feel sorry for him in that regard because he's catching a lot of shit. But I mean, like, I don't know. It's maybe it's just an off weekend, but it just felt like he didn't really have a handle on what the cards were. And that's a real awkward piece for watching coverage. I mean, the SCG event was great, uh, the standard event. Uh, Gumby, obviously, David from the uh, Heavy Meta podcast, played second in that event. Lost in the finals in three, playing a Naya mid-range deck of his own creation, showing that uh, that uh, Mastery of the Unseen is a bonkers-ass magic card. Yeah, I'm seeing it in, in other decks as well. Like, it's in the sideboard of the Abzan Control deck. Uh, I, think, I think I saw... Shahar play in red white aggro as well in the yeah. sideboard. I think it's a wicked card against blue black because the manifest creatures don't have names. So you can make this sea of two twos with impunity. And yes, you may be weak to drown in sorrow, but I mean, like if you're bringing in and off the board, they're probably not playing drown in sorrow. They might be playing bile blight still if you're playing like those sorts of creatures. But I think it's great because you just like vomit out a pile of two twos that they have difficulty dealing with. So plus you can gain life too. Like, 
Whenever you flip one up, you gain one life for each creature you control. So, like, Gumby in game one of the finals had over 147 life. It was just, <laughs> it was just ridiculous. The Damn. board states were so cluttered. It took, like, 50 minutes to play game one. And, like, his opponent was on Green Red Devotion. And so he's got a pile of Whisperwood Elementals that's making a bunch of Manifest guys. And David's got, you know, his own Whisperwood Elemental and Zenigo's tokens and manifesting like crazy with the mastery. And, like, he has Pelucranos on the table, too. Right? So, like, the idea here is that he's just, like, almost a combo deck and vomiting all these guys on the table and provides inevitability with Perforos. So that was, like, what his deck did. But, oh, God, it was just, it was so entertaining to watch. And, of course, they have, like, the finals of the GP in Vancouver is getting, like, you know, three to 6,000 viewers, and SCG for the finals of the Standard Open has well over 10,000. <laughs> so, I mean... There's definitely something to be said about that, and it, you know, Watsi's been doing a great like they now had vid. So the thing to consider here is they had video coverage at two GPs this weekend, and and I think that's the first time that's ever happened. They had video coverage of two simultaneous North American GPs. Yeah, this might be the first time because right? there's Twitch. Slash Magic 2, I think that might have been the first time it was created. Or yeah. all used. Yeah. So, so that's really exciting. And that shows me that obviously they're taking a step in the right direction. Um, and in, in terms of expanding their team. But, you know, there's, there's definitely some more things that, uh, that they need to be bringing to the table for that. And I know it's a long hoe and they've got a lot of things on their plate. But, you know, I think a few, a few good changes will go a real long way real fast. So... Uh, so that's that's fine, but I, I mean, it's really tough to beat Cedric and Patrick, man. Those guys are like just unbelievable, just unbelievable at coverage. So I don't know, buy them. That's tough. But uh, but it was it was really good. There was a there was a lot of good magic. Kenji fucking made ninth on breakers. There were so many great moments of GP Vancouver, which I really appreciated. You know, like I'm watching Alex play Amulet Bloom and the Turbo Magic was fine. And I'm watching Paul play, you know, and fight his way out under Affinity. And I'm watching, you know, there's just, uh, I'm watching Tom, you know, unfortunately get trashed, uh, you know, every now and then by terrible draws. And <laughs> and it was yeah. just, you know, like it, it was just very, very great to watch because there's so many people that we know and so many good people that we're rooting for. And the whole subtext of Kenji, like missing the PTQ the, the weekend before in the finals, you know, in game three from at one life left or whatever, you know, and, and there was that narrative and then him making a run deep in the GP and, and winning his final winning in to maybe, you know, make it in on at, at to eighth place on breakers. Like it was, it was such a great piece of entertainment. They, they, they did well with getting the dialogue. Now it could just be also that, you know, we're friends with Kenji and I'm a bit invested, but it was still, it was still very exciting. It was sad to see him get that. I think he got in the middle of day two that draw. That yeah. for for me, I knew as as someone that was played. Maybe not for for some listeners who who, who haven't had that experience. Like that that draw in the middle is generally going to kill you from even from even making to the top eight. So I, I already knew it was sort of anticlimactic. I knew he was probably going to finish ninth. So was pretty sad about that. But uh, like I've never heard of him. Has he streamed modern? Like I haven't heard of him practice yeah. modern. No, he's been streaming quite a bit in anticipation of uh, oh. of Vancouver. Like 
he was on Rug Twin for a really long time. Okay. And then I guess made the switch uh, the week before or a week and a half before when he found a, a, a sweet blue red list that he liked. And uh, and he played that for like a week straight. So you do like a draft and then jam some modern games, do a modern eight man or whatever. And, you know, so these are the flexibility that you have when you, uh, when you end up playing, uh, you know, eight hours of magic day public. Yeah, just to see him play, I was impressed. Like, I didn't know all, all about that. And to see him play one of the more complicated decks in the format, um, surely, like, his opponent, like, in his uh, round 50, like, the Twin Mirror totally screwed up, like, had total control, had shackles on board against uh, Kenji and just played really loose yeah. to allow Kenji to combo kill him. Like, there was no way... An experienced twin player would have let Kenji get away with that game three, but uh, that happened. So, like, for Kenji to, to play and do very well with a deck that I think is one of the hardest to play, I was extremely impressed. And, and um, you know, the year I got on the Pro Tour was the year I top 16 Vancouver. So I'm hoping for the same thing for him. I, I expect the same thing. I, he's been on a tear, and I think it's only a matter of time. Yeah. I mean, he's basically been, you know, at the gate for so long. It's time he finally just, he'll make the plunge and, you know, go balls deep at some point. So, good for him. Uh, Standard, so Standard was exciting. Um, There was a lot of really sweet results that came out of uh, Memphis. Of course, it was won by Jack Fogle with, uh, he, if I'm not mistaken, is a Cincinnati area native. I know he was friends with uh, Taylor and Jack and Cranny and those guys from the bridge, so I know they, that's where I remember hearing his name. And he played a Sultai control deck of his own brewing, I think, and uh, went from day one undefeated to winning the whole goddamn thing. Uh, he beat uh, Ben Stark in the finals. And again, a top eight that was just littered littered with names and GP top eights and stuff. We had Brad Nelson as the number one seed coming in. Uh, number two seed was uh, uh, Patrick Cow, totally, or Co, whatever, total, C-O-W-E, totally slaughtering his name. Uh, we had uh, Chris Finell in third. We had Jack Fogel kind of entering his fourth seed. We had Ad- Alex Magelaton in uh, fifth seed. Sixth seed was Ben Stark. Seventh seed, Steve Rubin. And eighth seed was Eric Rath. So, um, of course, you know, Brad Nelson, Jack Fogel, Ben Stark, and Steve Rubin percolate to the top. And ultimately, in the finals, it was uh, Jack versus Ben, and uh, Jack won in three. So it was—it's really interesting. I mean, his deck, uh, his deck looks look pretty sweet. I know that um, Brad, Chris, Alex, and Steve were all on um, Abzan. Yeah, the deck I won with. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, and uh, some some variations, kind of here and there. Uh, Patrick was also on Abzan Control, so it was like six Abzan Controls. So it's it's pretty sweet. But yeah, there's a lot of a lot of uh, Abzan and a bunch of changes too. Like fairly ubiquitously, you're looking at a co- at like four Corsair, four Rhino, and then some some number of Tassiger, like one or two. You're looking at three Elspeths, so pretty standard, and then like three Abzan Charm, four Bioblight, and then some numbers of like. Combinate one utter end generally, and then some numbers of heroes downfalls and murderous cuts, uh, and then like thought seizes times four, read the bone times two, and then from there it's like five flex slots. 
Some people play lots of Planeswalkers. Some people play End Hostilities and more card draw. Some people play, you know. So, so it's it's really up to sort of how you want to play. There were some people that were slinging the Ugin version, uh, generally as a one of, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was really really sweet. And of course, like the the Mastery of the Unseen's found its way into um, a couple of the sideboards. I think it was Chris Finnell and Al- and Alex. So that's that's really neat as well. Uh, Steve Rubin also played basically the same list. So uh, ultimately, Ben Stark. Uh, so Ben Stark finally pulled the trigger in his red white aggro list. He played four Seeker of the Way, four Goblin Rabble Master, four Outpost Siege, four Chain to the Rocks, four Hordling Outburst, four Soulfire Grandmasters. Okay, four Wild Slash, four Stoke the Flames, three Lightning Strike, one Valor Stance. This deck was low, lean, and mean to the like. This this was getting him dead, you know. Guaranteed two drop on two, uh, guaranteed a three drop on three. You know, you had Chain of the Rocks on turn one if you needed it. Uh, while or so obviously not on turn one, but Wild Slash was there on turn one, and Stoke the Flames is there with Convoke. Four copies of Outpost Siege is a lot. That is a lot, but it was very very lean sideboard again. You're looking at. Three copies of Master of the Unseen, two Sarkin, three Storm Breath, three Erase, two Valor Stance, and two Arc Lightning. It's like if you want to, I if I were looking at a list to play in red white, I would I would certainly try this. This looks pretty crazy. Yeah, it's a, it's reminds me. I think I'm I'm sure he based his list off of uh, Ken Yukihiro uh, from Sunday Series, who played this. Except I think the main change is the fact. That Yukiro played no Hordling outbursts and had four monastery mentors, whereas Ben Stark opts for the outbursts over the mentors and uh, the whole four Soulfile Grandmaster plan. I've had a lot of fun with this type of deck, um, being able to buy back Stoke the Flames. Again, when I played um, Abzan Control against this type of deck, it was just like it was a game two and game three that were hard because you're playing four Seekers. Four Grandmasters, four Rabble Masters, four Outbursts, where um, Drown and Sorrow is just really good against that type of uh, like that type of core, and he's playing no Brimaz. Yeah. So I imagine, I imagine it's a pretty rough absent control matchup post board, but gonna have to rewatch the top eight to see if if like how he did and if he blitzed through. The yeah, Abzan control matches uh, heading into the finals. Yeah, I mean his three Stormbreath dragons and two Sarkins probably go you know a long way in conjunction with all of that. But uh, but yeah, I, I agree. Um, so Jack Vogel's list is pretty interesting. Uh, I think it's fairly close to a I, I don't know man like the numbers seem pretty pretty sweet. I mean four Seder Wayfinders are the only creature in the deck, and then you've got three three Thoughtseize, two Crux of Fate, which is the Black Wrath, and one Treasure Cruise. You've got seven Planeswalkers in this deck. You're looking at two each of Ugin, Ashiok, and Kiora, with one copy of Garrick, Apex Predator. Uh, 18 instants round out the deck. Uh, full books of Heroes Downfall, Dig Through Time, and Foul Blight, with uh, three copies of Saltai Charm, which I think was really big for him this weekend. One copy of Murderous Cut, because why else would you be delving all this shit? And two copies of Disdainful Stroke in the main deck. Um... Side sideboard looks pretty sweet. One copy of Silence of the Believers, which I actually think is almost better than Utter End right now in Amsan. Uh, two Disdainful Stroke, 
Uh, and of note, two Farika's Cure in Jack Bogle's sideboard, by the way, along with three copies of Rakshasa Death Dealer. So that's cute. Two copies of Tazigar. Like, he can really kind of go fairly thick in the creatures if, you know, you've got an opponent that's sideboarding against a control deck. You kind of become a pretty solid mid-range deck. So he obviously masterfully played his way to the finals and uh, took down Ben Stark. A feat yeah, that, I'm impressed. A feat that KYT, I know, has been uh, anxious to try to do. <laughs> you you set that up, though. <laughs> the whole uh, on coverage when BDM was talking me up in GP Ottawa, and he's like, who the fuck's that guy? <laughs> so... Um... Yeah, I'm 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 curious how how close this is to uh, the Fabiano list. So I mean, there's definitely like it looks like he probably took out all of the G Fabs cards and put in more good cards and just played the deck. Because like you don't see any of the strange stuff. Like there's no feed the pack. There's no you know. But it very much is sort of that just four X dig through time deck, and it, he was dig through timing a lot, like one, and then you know another one and it's, it happened very quickly I noticed and it was something that the folks on coverage were quick to point out as well so yeah good for him I mean deck looks sweet played it really well but I think the salty charm was the piece that really stood out for him I think it was a very firm piece a very solid piece of removal because it kills Stormbreath Dragon it kills all of the dumb monocolor creatures that matter that are coming out of standard right now it doesn't kill Rhino but like basically, Abzan Agra probably gives this deck a little bit of difficulty, but everything else in the format is all, like, green-red devotion, blue-black control, like, um, the uh, the red-white aggro deck, like, all of those decks have monocolored creatures, making Salty Charm really good, and a lot of them also have very good targets uh, for the naturalized effect. So a lot of people are playing some of those Sieges main deck and, and Chain of the Rocks and stuff, and it's a very, very effective card. So, yeah, sweet, sweet little deck. But I will be, uh, I, I've been watching a lot of the, the decks that have kind of been coming out. Uh, the day one coverage I was looking at in there, and there are, am I looking at here, day two coverage, I think is what I want. Yeah, the archetype deck list. So somebody actually made day two with four color soul. Oh. Which I thought, which I thought was really interesting. Um, let me just see if I can find the list. There's a team or mid-range deck that made it. Some Jeskai tokens, Ascendancy, four color control made it in. That's exciting. The Craig Wesco deck did fairly well. Oh, maybe it wasn't here. Uh, it was here somewhere. Anyway, so um, yeah, it's it's pretty awesome, man. The standards in a really sweet place. There's a lot of different cards you can play. There's a lot of different things that are going on, and um, a lot of people are just pissing and moaning about modern, which makes me sad a little. Um, I'm pretty happy with where modern is. Uh, I'm sick and tired of losing to uh, uh, sick and tired of losing to mono red though. So I've started to play some copies again of Core Firewalker in my sideboard. And they have made me very happy because I've not lost a single match to Mono Red on Moto since I put Core Firewalkers back in my sideboard. Nice. <laughs> so expect some non-zero number of Core Firewalkers. Do they play Shrine? No. 
Really? That's yeah. not good enough for Monterey and Modern? No. Really? Hmm. Um, we looked at the Modern uh, results from the Premier IQ in LA. First place was Blue Red Delver. After that was Abzan Midrange, then Scapeshift, Red White Burn, Storm, Red White Burn, Black White Tokens, and Abzan Midrange were the, the top eight decks. And then after that, you're like Abzan Midrange, Affinity, Four Color Gifts, Merfolk, Blue White Tron, Red White Aggro, Affinity, and Jeskai Control. So there's a healthy dose of red spells that want to burn your face in that setup. So uh, Core Firewalkers it is, and yeah, looking pretty forward to playing in Baltimore this weekend. Yeah, I'm 100% sure you need, you need some number of them heading into Baltimore, for sure. It's just like, and it's, you know, you don't want to lose to that deck, and uh, <laughs> you want to make sure not to lose to that deck. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting, too, because a lot of people have been writing articles about sideboard cards and picking different cards for different reasons and all that sort of stuff, and there's been a lot of contention over Core Firewalker. Why are you playing Core Firewalker instead of Timely Reinforcements? And why are you playing this card instead of that card? And, you know, specifically about that style of effect. You know, why don't you just play Rest for the Weary? You know, and the three cards that kind of go around in circle are rest for the rest for the weary, uh, core firewalker, and timely reinforcements. And ultimately, you kind of have to, you know, decide which card you're going to play. And we did. We put it up against the anvil and really kind of sat down and thought about it. And ultimately, it's core firewalker or bust. And I don't think that any of the rest of them are, are particularly good for our list, mostly because a we have our own red spells which help to trigger core firewalker. Uh, B, we get to block all of their stupid idiot creatures consistently with a core firewalker and often trade them or kill them, rather. Whereas timely reinforcements, sometimes you get some of it, sometimes you don't. Sometimes the card's just fucking dead in your hand. So not a lot of interest in a card like timely reinforcements, I think, for us. And rest for the weary is hilarious because you can gain eight life at instant speed with landfall and then flash it back, which seems hilarious. The white feed the pack, but better. Yes, easier to turn on, perhaps. But yeah, uh, again, all of these things don't stop and block dumb idiot guys, which kill us a lot. So yeah, excited. Um, there were a lot of cards that I saw being played at the Pro Tour, uh, or sorry, at the Pro Tour at the GP in Vancouver, which were very exciting. Um, and I don't want to talk about them yet, but uh, I'll be trying. Uh, I'll be recording some videos with them uh, for you, KYT, so that way people can look out for those videos when they post and watch what's going on. But sweet, yeah, I'm really excited. There were some pretty sweet things that were happening out there, and, and I'm really excited to to adopt them and put them to play for us. So, yeah, I will be certainly jamming, guys. I've got I've got Master Magic playmats with me. We've got tokens like crazy. We're going to go and play standard F&M at Rudy Brix's, uh, Brix's store on Friday night. And then after that, I guess we're going to go out and have karaoke. And then Sunday is uh, probably UFC at Hooters, followed by, uh, depending, and, and then if we day two or not, there's like a non-zero chance that I day two, right? There's a pretty good chance I day two, right? Uh. I, how does it work now? With, with it's the same thing, right? It's just uh... yeah. Basically, it's um, yeah. So basically, it's like they're now two days events, two day events, right? Uh, but yeah, it's basically like day two of a GP. So 
it's 15 rounds. No, is it 15 rounds? I guess it depends on how many people show up, right? But, anyways. Um, In any case, I like your chances. You like my chances doing, to day two, well. anyway? Yeah, of doing well. Um, you know, may Varians treat you kindly next weekend? And, I mean, uh, if, if Varians treats me kindly, there's a real damn good shot I'm going to top eight this bitch. I, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think this is even a question. Like, we have to figure out how many people are going to be there. There were 400 people, or sorry, there were just over uh, between four and 600 people at LA this weekend. Now, we had Memphis as the GP plus Vancouver happening, but this is modern, and we're talking about Baltimore. So, I'm really not expecting much more than 700 people. <laughs> so if you think about what that means in terms of, you know, breakers and, and players, like there'll be a pile of good players. There's a lot of good players coming down. Like um, a lot of the SCG writers that are, that played in the pro tour are all going to be there. Plus it's in that area. Right. So you're looking at all the Roanoke boys are coming up. Um, I know that uh, Shaheen's going to be there. And it's gonna be it's gonna be a good event. I'm pretty excited about it. I'm, I'm gonna be really happy to see everybody. But uh, yeah, I, I definitely will be counting myself up at those top tables with those guys for sure. I know I can hang. So we're just gonna pray that variance doesn't make a liar out of me. Yeah, I mean, you should. There's definitely a lot of edge of just being more prepared, especially in this format against um, you know a lot of players that are going to be playing that tournament. So. I feel good about your chances and uh, and and the team overall. So I'm hoping you guys do well. Thank you. Um, so what should I play in standard? I I just picked up all the cards to play to finish Green Red Devotion over the weekend because over the oh god. So I went to face to face games this weekend in Toronto during the we're all gonna die snowstorm. <laughs> I uh, I took Lily with me, so she and I went down to the store. And Maddie came as well and brought his kids. So my girls, my girl was playing with his girls, and they were just all playing board games in the back. And because there's like this separate couch area in the back, with it's almost like cordoned off from the rest of it. So they all just sat back there in the couches around this coffee table and played board games for like three hours. And I didn't hear from them more than three times. Like that's a magic playing father's wet dream. That was amazing. It was just amazing. <laughs> so, so that was really sweet. And so I picked up some cards. I got to play. Um, I played a, I guess a game or two of standard, and we just kind of hung out. and And I had uh, some delicious lunch made by Tony and the and the crew at at you know Face to Face Games Toronto, and that was just super awesome. So I had a really good time. I got to hang out. But uh, while I was there, I like I said, I picked up a few of the cards that I needed to finish off the Green Red Devotion deck that I've been piloting. And I really can't decide whether or not I want to play that at standard FNM or whether I'm just going to update Four Color Soul. I feel like Four Color Soul is at a real fucking dog to Red White, which makes me sad. Yeah, yeah. We've, we've uh, tested that. Yeah. <laughs> Public has seen the slaughter. And it doesn't, oh, I, it doesn't get better. <laughs> I like Green Red Devotion just because it's supposed to, um, if people are, depending on the metagame, if people are adopting and net decking the Abzan control list, I mean, Green Red Devotion tries to go over top of that with more powerful spells. So there's that. And uh, so I like, I like that heading, heading forward. I had a really good run with it on stream. I felt like, I felt like I, I had a handle on what the deck was trying to do. And, uh, and I mean, like we had, we had, 
a very good win percentage. I mean, we went three win or better, I think, in all of the standard events that I played with it. So, I mean, there's there's something to be said about that, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's potentially well-positioned right now. And, uh, like, yeah. Like I'm, I'm also like I have to talk about this that that Mike Flores, my sensei, actually won a pre TQ with blue black control. Yeah, he he and Patrick have been talking about it uh, for a couple weeks now. I think on their on their podcast and uh, and next level podcast is what it's called. And free publicity. There you go, Mike. And and yeah, they've been really bigging up blue black, and I'm glad to hear he won with it. That's crazy. Yeah, you wouldn't, wouldn't change a single card in a 75. And, uh, I mean, it's a pretty standard list, I would think. Um, that I'm looking at it right now, it's just four digs, two Ugins, two volts, two strokes, four bioblades, two cruxes, four dissolve, two divination. I, I guess I haven't seen divination much. That is, like, if you put Mike Flores and Patrick Chapin together, and you found, if you were to pick a card... <laughs> right and put it in the center of a Venn diagram of those two people. The answer is divination. Yeah, like I suggested that uh, a couple weeks ago when we were playing blue black, and I was told that it's not good enough. Who keeps telling you these things? Is like <laughs> yes. some idiot. Yeah, it's his name me. his name rhymes with Ryan. <laughs> it's not me. So um... easy beasy. Yep. And how? I don't remember. I don't keep track of what lands my. Uh, He's super high on the uh, gain land. Or what the hell is it? The the fountain. Radiant fountain. Yeah. He's got four? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I like that so much. I've seen that in a couple lists too. It just seems like in a deck where you have so many colored mana symbols, like. Yeah. He's super high on that card. Now, how many lands is he playing? Twelve, sixteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-seven. Yep. <laughs> yep. There you go. How many palaces were you playing, Jay? Palaces. The the uh, I'm not sure. Do Blue Black play this card? Like the Triland that makes green, oh. but but he's just playing it for the fact that it's a duel. I never did. No. I'm not. Sh- is this even standard? He has three of them, and I wonder if he's like you know playing. If it's not standard, he's just probably playing them because he's playing four fountains, and I don't think it's standard to play four fountains if Jay finds it. Yeah, like, I, I've i never seen a list play them locally, and I don't like them, because, like, I find, like, a lot of the time I don't have, like, even with the fetches and the, the duel, like, the, the Scrylands. Right, right. And the gain life singles. Um, duels, right? Like in a single life kind of thing. Dismal um, backwater. Yeah, thank you. Um, even with all that, I still find that sometimes you're getting screwed with your double mana symbols. So I would probably never play Radiant Fountain. Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like at the same time. <laughs> I guess if like your if your meta's full of like mono red, which it was for a little bit, like it that might make a difference. I'm not really sure. Like, wouldn't you just play like more rats and stuff? Yeah, I maybe. like I don't know. Like, I just don't think that the advantage of gaining one extra life over the like over the 
the the dismal backwater <clears throat> is um I don't know is worth the risk of not being able to cast your spells when you need them. I find like in in control matchups, like casting your spells when you need to is really important. Um, especially like if you fall behind as a, like in control, it can become like really difficult to catch up if you can't if you don't have like a catch up spell like a wrath or something. Right, right. Um, where you have to like start choosing between like do you keep up double blue for X or do you keep up double black for Y, and like if you are playing colorless lands like I don't know like that that card basically is never going to do anything for your deck other than gain you two life. So, but it'll gain you more than two life over the course of a game if you're playing Pearl Lake Ancient. If you are, but most of the lists I look at aren't. So he is, um, and I, I think you should be. I think if you're playing Scrylands and Gain Life Lands, you should be playing them. That being said, like I think you have enough lands that are good to balance with Pearl Lake Ancient that you don't need them mm. still. Um, you know what I mean? Like, is there a big difference between gaining that one life? Versus gaining two life with a pearly well, agent. I think like, it's I think it's a function of of like you gain two more life, right? And yeah. every time that you bounce a land, it's like the extra life. So I think it adds up over the course of like a lot of the decks that are really aggressive. I think lean on you know the incremental damage plan and do a very good job of it, and can very can be very taxing on the removal suite of blue black, right? Like a capable player versus like a capable other player versus blue black, right? And mm-hmm. and I think that. Um, if you are, as they put it on their show, if you are an Olympic quality blue black player, then you probably don't need the the crutches of so many of these uh, radiant fountains, right? <laughs> That's a good line, right? But like, you know, it. I think that it, having so many of them will actually pull you out of more games than not. That that seems to be Mike's Mike's experience anyway. So I don't know, like. And, and it could just be him being results-oriented and, and displaying a preference, right? Like, this, playing these cards suits my playstyle the way I play the deck. Right, right, right. Right? Like, they are, they are a crucial part of the strategy which I deploy when using this deck. And if that's the case, then great. Now, that's not to say that his strategy is correct, but at the same time, there's, like, a pile of different ways to drive a car. Right? Like, do you have one hand on the wheel? Do you have two hands on the wheel? Are you 10 and 2? Are you 12 and 6? Don't ask um, but you get the idea. And so I, I think that's where his head's at, but that's not necessarily saying that that's true. Follow? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense, I guess. With, this, with that said, this is the closest I'll come to the playing of Mike, oh, I'm sorry, Mike, of Flores deck since Nia Lightsaber. So, hey, yeah, it looks good hey, to hey, me. Hey, so. After Nia Lightsaber, you played the blue, white, red control deck, Big Exits, right? Blue, white, red. Or was that before Nia Lightsaber? I think that was before. Oh, okay. Right. The, he made Super Friends like before. It was that. before Lightsaber? Okay. I, I'm not. Well, yeah, okay. One of them is the last deck I've played. Okay. And, uh, and this is the next one that would come closest to maybe. Yeah. Yeah, like like he's been making like a lot of things sound really good in theory, but like his last creation before this like cool creation was the two for one deck, which is like playing, um, it was green, like green, green white, white, green white turtle, yeah, yeah, turtle, yeah. Nalia's presence, 
to draw your card to make a mountain just so you can play chain to, to the rocks and have that value in every card in a deck like as a wayfinder is a two for one but they're two for ones where like each individual cart isn't that good yeah yeah it's really like a like a like a one and a half for one yeah so it's like it's not you know it's not good enough like the it's not jund <laughs> so <laughs> so it failed then but this one looks like a pretty different definitely plays at least five cards different than your stock blue black so um i'm gonna have to try this and the other deck i wanted to try is um the Cyto deck, Cyto Black, looks pretty crazy. Is budget uh, mono black? There's like, what did he say? Like no mythic rares in it or whatever. <laughs> he went eleven three and one. I don't know if Jay wants to give this a try, but it looks. I looked at it. This, the, it's the Cyto Mono Black or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I looked at it. Like I, I don't know. Like I, I like when I. Looked at it and then saw that he went 11x and x or whatever. 11, 3, and 1. 20th at the GP. 20th. Yeah, like, I was, like, really, I was kind of excited that, like, it might be a deck that's actually playable, but I don't know. And he lost his last round, so he says that he would top 8 if he didn't If lose. he won, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So this plays the, obli- like, the urn thing, um, and all, like, the one-drops, all the good one-drops in the format for our listeners, Bloodsoak Champion, Tormented Euro. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the Ripper, Painseer, Marauder, some of the new Dash cards. Yeah. So, yeah, very, very interesting list. Um, and and I definitely want to jam it because it's one. Of, it's like an aggro deck, so I know after a quick sample if I if I think it's good or not. Whereas like the other decks, I have to be like, ah, I'm not, I'm not so sure. Like this one, I'll yeah. know in a reasonable amount of time if it's insane. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, like I don't know. And then like looking at things like um, yeah, I just it just looks like a deck that can be really quick and really uh like devastating to play against. But then it also looks like if you draw like the bad half of your deck, you could just never play anything and lose. Mm hmm. You know, like, I just feel like, I don't know, it doesn't seem to have, yeah, I don't know, it's, it's like, it's a, it's just a weird deck for me to try to figure out, because it seems sweet. I think Mogus's Marauder as a four-pack is ridiculous. Yeah, like, I feel like he's almost like how uh, Grey Merchant was, where, like, uh, like Grey Merchant is such a garbage card because you could play it like with one other permanent and stay in the game long enough to just play it again like five times. Um and I feel like that's the same with uh Mogus Marauder. Like you could play this uh and deal no damage except for damage with turns where you played Mogus Marauder and got unblockable guys and, and still killed them. So the thing I like about Marauder and the the thing that I think makes it gross is the fact that it gives all gives the creatures intimidate and haste. So yeah. haste is something that you don't see in black like ever. And this really being except for like the shadows, like nether shadows and stuff. Um so so that being on this card I think is really relevant, especially when you're playing four pain seers. Like that's a yeah. that's a big one, right? And of course pain seers working with obelisk of Erd for the convoke is also cute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So 
Anyways, I, I think that I, I think this is totally worth trying out. And I mean, four copies of Herald of Torment in the sideboard in case you have to go bigger. And then like just more removal in Thoughtseize. Like this deck is actually pretty sweet. I think I'm like surprised that it's not playing Herald of Torment and Master of Feast. Like those are three drops that are insane in a deck like this. I'm just like yeah, confused as to why they wouldn't be in the main deck. I guess. Yeah, I've seen, like, I've they seen don't seem play. to have. They don't seem to have a whole lot of drawback. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, what is he playing instead of those? Like, what are his three drops? They're the Mogus Marauder, Mogus and... Marauder, and Marty Strike Leader. So Marty Strike Leader he has yeah. a three-two. Whenever it attacks, put a one-one black warrior creature token on the battlefield. So it itself is a warrior force. I think yeah. they probably all are warriors. No. Um, human, 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 human. You say human when you name the obelisk. Yeah. Um, but like... It makes a 2-1, It makes way. a 2-1, right? Yeah. And it also... Like, this guy has dash. So you could just, like, make a lot of them. Yeah, and they stay around. Like, yeah, um, which I think is pretty sweet. At the end of turn or whatever. But, like, so... What is... He, like, so there's... Like, what... I don't know, I guess I'd have to see the deck list. I looked at it, but I guess not enough to memorize it here. But I'm just thinking, like, even, like, Herald of Torment just being a 3-3 flyer on turn 3 is, like, really difficult for a lot of decks to deal with. And then if they do, like, I feel like this deck is trying to play enough threats so that, like, if you deal with a threat, uh, then I have... Um, like a pain seer to refill my hand. If you deal with the pain seer, then I just have threats to kill you with. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like you want guys that have evasion, right? Like if they kill your evasion guy with like a murderous cut or a or a downfall, um, you know, I think that's fine because uh, you still have then your maybe your warrior guy or you still have um, your pain seer and vice versa, right? Yeah. But it seems like a really cool deck in terms of like just taking something to like F and M and playing it. I don't know how like on, like how long it would last in terms of. <laughs> Do you how, smoke like, a tournament? Do you yeah. smoke? Yes. Take this deck to F and M. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, because like, your you matches will be over in no time. Yeah, if you don't want to play mono red, then play this deck. Yeah, I agree. I'm- like, I really like how sort of Dash plays around, like, and hostilities and, and Drown Sorrows if you know your opponent has it in hand and yeah. and allows you, plays around Crux, allows you to have, like, especially the guy that makes a 2-1. So you bounce in your hand, your opponent's like, okay, like, he still has a bunch of guys who have Wrath, but now he can restart his army again. So I love that that little extra thing that this deck has going on with it. So very interesting to test it out. But, and, yeah, I... I'm interested to see if I like Harold more in the main or in the sideboard. Um, it's definitely a very strong card, as Jay mentioned, and one that allows you to be more resilient against like a Crux or a Drown and Sorrow and stuff like that, because everything here is an X1 or X2. So I'm eager to try this, and because it's like, you know, I'm I'm a fan of of decks that don't play a lot of lands, just because. Generally, you you like I love like seeing my opening hand, seeing two lands, 
and knowing I have five spells that I can fucking cast. And like, <laughs> if my opponent stumbles even just a little, he's fucked. So yeah. whether it's Rug Delver in Legacy, in fact in Modern, or this deck in Standard, I guess, it's, it's like those type of decks that with the right draw, you just like, and every card you draw off the top, um, you know it's most likely not a land, so you're, you're always drawing gas. So I enjoy uh, decks like that some of the time. So I'm going to be sleeving this up, at least in the digital world, um, sometime this week. Nice. Definitely keep me posted. Uh, <laughs> because I, w- I definitely want to know if it's even close to being a real deck or not. Yeah, I mean, Saito had the funkiest... He actually played Infect at the Pro Tour, and he had the funkiest tech, and I'm trying to remember what it was, but it was just like like a, a strategy that I wasn't considering at all. Yeah, he was playing Monastery, like he was playing Bant, Infect, and he had Monastery Mentor in it. Yeesh. That seems uh, real strange. Yeah, to take yeah. advantage of the fact that you know, everyone's playing, playing spells anyway. Yeah, right. You're playing pile spells, and everyone's playing. Um, you know, the best way to take advantage of mentors is like the same way you take advantage of young power masters to play all these free spells. And so you're already playing four four probes and four mutagenic growths anyway. So there is some synergy. So you just add the mentor there, and it gives you a way to win via normal damage, which does happen. Um, you know, I've killed people with Noble Hierarchs, like a 20, 20, 21 Noble Hierarch before with Wild Defiance and just targeting a bunch of times or even a, a Dryad Arbor. So it does happen enough, especially in a format where people just like shock themselves to death with dual hands. And uh, yeah, like he's he thinks outside the box. So um, I don't think I'd play as he went 1 4 for the record in, in the Pro Tour in Modern. So that tech probably did not work out. So. The man's always innovating. Wow. Well, I think there's something to be said of that. Like, we've talked about that before, where, like, Chapin is the only guy on the planet that can play Chapin decks correctly, you know? Yeah. Um, I think it's very similar to... I think it's very similar to Saito deck. Um, a lot of them, like... Like seem really cool, and they are Saito, so you're like, ooh. Uh, but then, like, I try to play them, or other people try to play them, and they just, I think they just don't get them. So then, like, you don't know when to make like, the crucial play of X versus Y, and then, I think because there's like a language barrier with Saito, and I don't follow him, like, on coverage, I don't know if he writes articles for, like, a site or anything, I'm, I don't think he does, I've never heard of one. Uh, I think it's probably like really difficult to figure that stuff out because I don't think a lot of people get a chance to see and or watch him test the deck, right? Or see it get played in general. Mm, right. And that stuff can be difficult to, to figure out if you don't know. Like, you just assume, oh yeah, on turn three, do this. On turn four, do this kind of thing. But as we've learned in the past, there's like a lot more intrinsic, uh, I guess, levels to that sometimes. And, you know, I I would be very hard-pressed to find, like, a, a Saito deck that just plays, like, mono-red, like, like just automatically. Do you know what I mean? His decks always seem to have, like, a next level. Yeah. So. 
I mean, I, I could see that, I think. I mean, like, he's, he tends to be really ahead, and I think that you do have to be conscientious of the metagame when you're playing them. Know what your yeah. matchups are, yeah. Thank you, brother. Yeah. And I think he, in my experience, he tends to, to design, like, meta killers. Yeah. Almost, like, or meta attackers. Uh, so, like, it can be kind of difficult to, to transfer that to your local meta. You know what I mean? And then, going on some Mike Flores wisdom, uh, if you play Jobins, like, Jobins don't play against you properly. So they can, like, just hose your... They can hose your game plan just by, like, blocking incorrectly, which ends up killing your, like, their, like, you know what I mean? And then you could, like, and then you brick, and they, like, block the wrong guy, but it turns out to be, I don't know, good, because... You know, like I've been in lots of situations like that where they like they let the wrong spell resolve and then the counter the wrong spell afterwards and then you brick forever. And so then you just like you can't get ahead and they're not they're not playing how you expect them to play. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Not sense. that it's incorrect. It's just like they're not playing the way that like they're not playing their deck the way that it normally is played, I guess, or is optimal. Yeah. Yeah. Because, well, yeah, I mean, you have to have the combination of the experience as well as the vision, right? Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't have those, then you're going to play it like a donkey, basically. Yeah, exactly. Like the guys playing like, you know, the, the, the Ugin control deck, what that I talked about two episodes ago at FNM and took, you know, six minutes per turn kind of thing. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, goodness. So, uh, I'm trying to figure out what I should do about this new daily schedule. The daily event schedule is messing with me. They moved everything around. When, when is it? Uh... It's, uh, it's running, man. Okay. Yeah. No, when so, did it start? Uh, with downtime last week so last wednesday yeah okay yeah so i mean basically like eight o'clock hour time uh sunday monday modern tuesday no monday what is this hold on monday tuesday modern at 8 p.m eastern yeah and then because it's 5 p.m pacific right so and then wednesday thursday is standard at the same time and then you're like ktk uh, Fate Reforged sealed over the weekend that time. And then at the 9 o'clock slot, you've got Monday, Tuesday, KTK uh, sealed. And then Wednesday, Thursday's modern. And then standard, standard, standard over the weekend. It's weird. I gotta ask Dad, since I haven't been following the schedule at all, did they change like their philosophy or like what's what prompt? I know people were complaining about the previous schedule. Does this make it more? It's definitely all over the place. Like there are far more different opportunities to play different things. So you know, like you can see a bunch of legacy events are all scattered at different times. You've got vintage events that are scattered scattered at different times. Uh, you know, modern is you can basically yeah, like it all shifts depending on the day. But so it's... The, what was the problem before? It was like at the same time every day. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Like, you knew that every day at 9 o'clock p.m., you had to play, the standard daily was going to fire. 
So you were f- fucked if you could never play that. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So now it's like it's it's a little mixed up, uh, but it's it's not bad. But it just means that like if I want to play in the modern event, for example, uh, tomorrow, yeah, to pick, pick a specific day that fits right? you. Like okay, if right. I want to play in it tomorrow, then I have to play. I have to start my stream at eight. Oh baby! Right. <laughs> Because like otherwise, otherwise I'm playing in the nine o'clock KTK Fate Reforged Sealed Tournament, which I have like less than zero desire to do so. Right? Or I can wait until ten o'clock and play Legacy. Also, probably not going to happen today, tomorrow, <laughs> but sometime. Right? But like, but like at nine o'clock on Thursday, I can play Modern, no problem. Whereas if I want to play Standard, I have to play at eight. So. It's fucked up. It just it's it takes a little bit more scheduling. That's all. A bit awkward. So I have to get used to it. But the events run well. Like they run and what I mean by run well is and this is something that I found at the end of my like crazy ass stream is you can chain the events together almost. So if I want to play like modern event, modern event, modern event, modern event, modern event, you know, or like modern, 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 standard, standard, modern. What a degen, yeah. Right? Then you can you can chain them together. It it is possible. There there are a few downtimes and hopefully not a lot of overlap. Hopefully. But it is it is possible. So I mean that would be ideal, right? I mean if you're gonna sit down for a session, right, the best best bang for your buck is is definitely the daily event. Like if you're looking to just jam a deck and get used to it and, and experience it then the daily's the way to go because like it's the same as joining an eight man it's six tickets right but you're guaranteed to play four rounds of mentor. yeah unless your opponents drop and leave you but you know that's that's where you are you you're guaranteed four rounds of magic you you came to play you paid for four whereas the eight man you lose round one you're fucking out right like daily event you lose round one that sucks but then you can fight back for a three one and still make some money so very interesting. So many problems. <laughs> Which daily event to join? Problems. I'm, uh, yeah. So I think that's... Do you have anything else this week? No. Do we have any poop stories? I didn't get any. Me neither. Makes me sad. Everybody's drinking Innocent Gun and it makes me smile. That's pretty awesome. People are tweeting at me now every time they're cracking open an innis and cracking open an innis, an innis and gun, and that makes me very happy. So, I'm going back to the gym. Nice, sweet. So that's something. Um, yeah, I'm trying to go like. Uh, there's a. I want to get to the gym, so I'm posting Facebook statuses. And they're like, the first one was 1 out of 120. And then 2 out of 120. And today I posted 3 out of 120. And it's like, I will go before now, in the end of the calendar year, I'll go to the gym 120 times. So it's an average of like, 3 times a week. The occasional course. Is it? Yeah. Based on when I started. I started Uh, like beginning of February. Oh, right. So, yeah. I'm excited. Feels good. It hurts like bitch, but it feels good. 
But other than that, man, I'm just like super excited. I cannot even wait to go to fucking Baltimore. It's going to be silly. Get to go and see Joey Pasco. I'm going to go and hang out with uh, Jason, right. obviously, Real Evil Genius. And see all the sick degenerates. It's going to be amazing. Yep, very exciting. Yeah, that'll be fun. Try to get some cube in. Uh, I'll try. I'll try to squeeze it in in between, you know, doing really well at a tournament and uh, doing karaoke and drinking for free. I will try real hard to yeah, fit in some cube. But also, uh, didn't you didn't you before we sign off have some news or something? No, no, no. Tuesday, no. Tuesday. Oh, Tuesday. Yeah, if you guys didn't watch the stream or don't watch the stream, go back to my Twitch page, twitch.tv slash Mr. Scotty Mac, and uh, check out one of the highlights there that's listed. Big announcement, and check that out. Check it and out. Get all of the infos on that one. Well, I guess this comes out on Thursday. I guess you could announce it. I mean, I could. All right. So, so I, so I had some terrible, terrible news. Um, unfortunately, uh, so a, a lot of people have been asking me about GP Toronto and not knowing if I'm going to be able to make it. And, you know, I have this, I have this work trip that's coming up that, you know, I, I kind of have to go on. And I, I know that every year it's always sort of around the last week of April spilling into May. So I, I kind of figured I was never, you know, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to do it. If it's that, if that's date, maybe it's the week early this year. I don't know. So uh, I finally got the package about it on Friday. And uh, so I got the dates on it. And the dates on the package are May 26th through to June 1st. Uh, for those of you that are playing along at home, that is over the course of the GP Vegas weekend, which is disgusting. So I cannot go to GP Vegas. It is literally impossible for me to go to GP Vegas, which is just fucking brutal, which is fucking brutal because you all, you know, I did the 25 hour stream. You guys were all real supportive to raise the funds so that my wife and I could go to Vegas. And it turns out, that I just can't go. Like, it's physically impossible for me to go. So, so as not to pull, like, a rain ad, it'd be a douche. Because I think he, like, raised a bunch of donations to go to GPs and then just basically did it and said, fuck you guys and my money. Who did that? Uh, an old Magic streamer that's now banned from Magic for, like, almost life or whatever, and now he's streaming oh, Hearthstone. Right. Uh, so, if you guys donated, and you would like me to and you donated expressly for, you know, you wanted to see me in Vegas and were willing to help support that and, and hang out with me, then I understand. And I'm 100% happy and prepared and willing to, if you send me, and you can send me, like, private messages. You don't have to make this a public thing, but um, I will 100% refund uh, your donations to me. Now, uh, if, you, if you do not want to do that, Great, thank you. I appreciate it. I will be using the funds to go to more GPs. So, uh, based on this, I am 100% currently locked for Toronto and Montreal. Even though Montreal is a terrible fucking sealed tournament, I'm still going. Uh, and I'm going to try to find one more as well that I can go to and that I'll fly to in the continental United States. So I can basically use this to go pretty much almost anywhere in 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 um, in the U.S. Uh, that's probably not West Coast, but anywhere sort of like um, 
middle of the states and east i can i can hit up pretty easily i think so uh get at me uh message me if you guys want uh if you guys want me to, to ship you your dollars back i'm absolutely happy to do that it's no questions asked like i know i was asking for it under that pretense and if i can't make it then you know that that's fine so i'm really sorry i want to do vegas so badly but i just it's, not, it's just not gonna be possible it's literally impossible so that's my bad news why do we have to end on the downer this is shitty that's your fault. You could have brought it up earlier. That's terrible. <laughs> yeah, well, you should plan your life better. You don't even have a shit story for us. Yeah, that's what happens. No, you've been working a lot. Did you take dirty shits in the shitter? No, I don't shit at work anymore. What? 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 That's my favorite part of your day. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody understands that. Though. that it started a long time ago. <laughs> that is the favorite part. My favorite part of your day. <laughs> Uh, a fucking doozy, man. <laughs> yeah, so for uh, it'll start again soon, probably. But for uh, for winter, uh, for Christmas, my in-laws got me uh, like lined, really warm, but like overall, like Carhartts. Oh yeah. So the problem with those is that when you have to shit. They're like they clasp as over the shoulder straps, and you, when you take them down or whatever, then you like basically you're it's like taking down like snow pants. Like there's no, it's not like there's a like a fucking poo flap or sure. anything. Sure. So I don't shit. It, like I try not to shit at work, and if I have to, I, I definitely won't shit in a porta potty with them because then they'll just be like in piss on the floor for fucking ever and then i have to like pull them up and wear them so although somebody had a good idea they the other day they said ask one of the girls for the combo to the girls washroom and uh and then just go in there but then i was like well yeah that would be great except for then i have to explain to someone that i want to get into your bathroom so i can shit in it <laughs> and no, also, nobody wants to let a man shit in the women's bathroom. No, yeah. no. That's the reason that they have different ones. They tell you it's because they they don't want the girls to have to deal with um, a urinal and splash and all that stuff. But it's really because they don't want to have man sized shits in their fucking lady can. So I'm sorry, Kyt. Fuck. Yeah. To ruin your... <laughs> I don't have like Sudoku thoughts anymore because I don't. I just don't shit it at work. Too bad. Yeah. So there was a deck list that uh, Antonio DeRosa played a standard side event at GP Memphis and crushed with four Waste Knot, four Dark Deal, four Rekshasa Secret, four Gurmag Angler, three Tazigar, the Golden Fang, Empty the Pits times one, four Treasure Cruise, three Bow Blight. Three Thoughtseize, three Downfall, four Sign and Blood, uh, eight Blue Black Duels, four Polluted Delta, four Bloodstained Mire, one Island, one Urwark, five Swamp. Fancy. Uh, so I understand that um, uh, CVM streamed with it for all of a half an hour before he decided that the deck is a steaming pile of hot garbage and then switched <laughs> to Streaming Limited. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I'm pretty sure that. 
uh, Ali Antrazi has been brewing a waste not deal, a waste not dark deal deck in modern, which scares me in ways that I'm not prepared to admit in public. So let's hope that doesn't take off. Yeah. So yeah. All right. Um. Well, if we don't have anything else. Bye. Bye. Shout out slops to Jer for not showing up and having terrible internet. Yeah, what a twat. What a twat. Alright. See y'all next week. Hopefully we'll have all sorts of fantastic stories. Uh, congrats to all of our friends that top aided and or won GPs or events this weekend. And uh, hopefully we'll have one more on the list for next week. So, 